everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Campwire Podcast, and you all are in for such a treat today. If you happen to be at our national conference in New Orleans this year, then you had the absolute joy and pleasure of hearing from the Sophie B. Wright High School Marching Band. They opened us off with such a bang and had just the most incredible and fun performance. And I am so excited because we are joined today by their band director, Mr. Desmian Barnes. And just a little bit about him before we dive in. Desmian Barnes is the CEO and band leader of Soul Airs Entertainment, a trumpeter, singer, pianist, guitarist, percussionist, and composer. First of all, wow. His talents and skills go beyond performing and composing music to teaching students at local schools to play instruments. He has written original songs for the band entitled A Walk in the Park, Sing a Song for Children, and Women's Intuition. Achieving the rank of Eagle Scout, Desmian graduated from St. Augustine High School, where he was a member of the marching band, jazz, and concert bands. He served as alternate drum major and trumpet section leader. He received the prestigious Semper Fidelis Award presented by the Marine Corps to the student who displays the highest commitment, technical skill, and performance on his instrument. Desmian received his bachelor's degree from Xavier University in Music. During his studies at Xavier, Desmian was awarded the Sister M. Elise Sisson Award, presented to the student who displays the highest level of music performance on his instrument, and the Sister Thea Bowman Award. Desmian founded the first marching band at Eleanor McMain Magnet High School in 1995 and has taught instrumental music, theory, arranging, and composition at many schools in the New Orleans area. He has also served as director of bands for concert, marching, jazz, and orchestra at those same schools. Currently, he serves at Sophie B. Wright High School as instrumental music teacher and director of bands. Desmian was director of music ministries at Our Lady of Guadalupe Catholic Church. In addition to staying busy with his professional band and the various bands before mentioned, Desmian finds time to teach at summer camps and jazz workshops through young audiences of Louisiana. Mr. Barnes, welcome to the Camp Wire podcast. Thank you for having me. I mean, that resume right there is so incredible. I don't know how you find time to do all of this, but what an inspiration. Let's start at the beginning. What drew you to music at such a young age? Well, uh, my father. Hmm. My father is a, a bass player, a bass guitar, well, still is a bass guitar player, and he plays in my band when he can as well. During the 70s, he was um, very popular with the um, the group called the Fabulous Phantoms. And um, when he would come home and practice his uh, bass, you always hear the house shake because of the vibration of the big giant speakers that he would have. And as a little kid, I just remember feeling those vibrations every time and really getting into the melodies that he would put together on those bass. So that kind of drew me into music, watching my dad practice and, you know, playing that music. And, you know, that, that was a spark. It was in your blood from the beginning. <laughs> I love that. So when did you decide to further your music education, you know, going into college and then to pursue music as a career? Well, I'm going to tell you, um, not too far from when I uh, was inspired by my dad, I joined um, the band at my elementary school. This was like in a, um, in a fourth grade. And I wanted to join a little bit earlier, but the instrument that I wanted to play was the uh, 
Well, actually, I wanted to play the bass guitar like my dad in a band. Mm -hmm. But in a concert band, they didn't have the electric bass at the school that I was. So they say, well, you have to play a bass horn if you want to play a bass instrument. So then I say, nah, I start with the, tr with the trumpet. So that's how I got to uh, play the trumpet. But I, you, your lips have to be developed mm. before you can play one of those um, one instrument, brass instruments. So they told me I had to wait till I was in fourth grade. So when I got in fourth grade, I couldn't wait. Got the trumpet. My mother had to lease it at the time <laughs> to rent it. And um, I was practicing it every day for about a week. And then I had had enough. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I had enough because I thought it was magic. How I see people playing the instruments, I just thought they just put their lips to it and magic of music would just come out. I didn't of know course. it was hard work and practicing. So after that first week, I was like, nah, I don't think I want to do this. And then my mother, she gave me a, a hard talk. <laughs> about how she had to lease this and she said oh no you will be learning how to play this instrument and you will make something of it so i stayed with it and uh it grew on me mm -hmm. and then um throughout elementary going into um high school i really started to get into uh the music and loving the music reading music playing music winning um competitions and stuff like that uh, instrumentalists know what that is when you go to the um, to all state and all that kind of stuff and win competitions. So um, the next step after elementary was to figure out what type of high school I wanted to be a part of. And I had I, I received a scholarship to um, Holy Cross, which was a real good uh, school and had a real good band, but it was more of a drum corps style band. But the most popular band during the time, well, and still is in the city of New Orleans, was the St. Augustine Marching 100. Now, my father, when he was in high school, he went to that uh, school and he uh, he graduated in 1969, but he uh, was section leader and became band captain in the Tuzophone section. So um, that's why I wanted to go because it was very popular band. I wanted to be seen. So then that started me out my years at St. Augustine and all throughout my years in St. Augustine, I had a whole lot of fun. I was introduced marching in parades. Because prior to that, in elementary and middle, I wasn't marching in parades. But those that was my first experience to take the, the instrument that I have learned for all those years prior to high school and actually putting it and showcasing it for the city of New Orleans to see out on the street. So that really got me excited. The next level of that before I went into college was actually learning the instrument and wanted to do it professionally besides just being in a high school uh, marching band. And so towards my junior and my senior year in high school, I started to uh, look into avenues that would kind of pro um, propel me into that professional arena. And so the jazz band at St. Augustine, which was top of the line, really propelled me to want to take it more of a professional level. So I did real, uh, real great job and enjoyed the uh, jazz band, eventually playing first chair and uh, second chair. That's the um, two that plays the solos, improvise. And then um, auditioning for Xavier University. The, uh, the band director then came and uh, everybody 
and St. Augustine, my peers, all of them was going to places like Southern University, Grambling University, Texas Southern. At first, I really didn't want to go to those places. The, um, the school that I, my first choice school was uh, FAMU. But going more into that professional, being propelled into that professional arena, the band director from Xavier University made a compelling uh, point when he came to audition uh, some of the students. He said, well, you know, um, you can go to those big schools and you'll you're probably enjoy it and everything, you know, but if you go to a smaller school, because Xavier was trying to build a uh, music department, he said, you probably can get more money with the scholarship wise because they're in need of it. And you won't be sort of considered just a number, you know, you'll be known by name. And those different avenues that, that I was trying to pursue professionally, they had that over there. So I auditioned, got the scholarship. They paid me the most money. So that's why I went to uh, Zim University. And from there, I uh, fell in love with the music department. I had to make a decision on my major. At first, my major was uh, just strictly uh, music performance because that's what I wanted to do, become a professional. But then um, as I was getting older, uh, then reality started to set in saying, well, you know, you definitely want to make sure you uh, guaranteed a job and you want to make sure that you have benefits, <laughs> want to be able to retire and all that uh, stuff. So then as I was getting into my uh, upper classes, upper classmen of my college years, my junior and senior, I decided, well, maybe I should look into, um, instead of performance, to music education. Because with music education, they have all those benefits um, that I want. And on the side, I can still uh, pursue professional uh, performance. I remember one of my... Um, my friends told me to say, well, you know, if you want to uh, pursue your degree in uh, performance, music performance, you, if you're trying to get as, as popular or as famous as Michael Jackson or Prince, you know, they didn't go to college to get their degree in performance, you know. So he said, so think about that for a little bit. He said, so you can still uh, pursue those professional performance uh, goals that you want, but... Um, why don't you have something that uh, uh, gives you some security while you do that? So that's when I went into um, music education and the rest is history. The rest is history. Thank you for sharing all of that. What an amazing story. <laughs> Two things that really stood out. Um, one, how awesome of your mom to know, <laughs> like, no, you're going to stick this out. <laughs> and I think, I think there's something to be said there about um, perseverance and giving things a try, especially when mm -hmm. it feels hard or mm -hmm. um, we might think we want to do something else, but just sticking with it can be a really powerful lesson. And then the other thing that stood out was the notion that you wanted to be known by your name and not as just a number. I don't know. There's something about that, that there's a sense of belonging there and inclusion that just is a small thing, but is very, very powerful. So I imagine that that's something that still carries into your work and into your yeah your work with students today. So those are just, that was really cool. Um, so speaking of your students, tell us more about your work with the Sophie B. Wright High School Marching Band. All right. So I started with uh, Sophie B. Wright in uh, 2008. So it's uh, it's been a good minute. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when I first started with Sophie B. Wright, it wasn't a high school. Really? It was, yeah, it was um, grades four through eight. 
So that's almost like a middle middle school, a uh, little bit of elementary going to middle school. I fell in love with the kids. I come to find out that uh, music education was uh, my gift, my uh, my trait, and um, working with kids, seeing them develop, and um, seeing some of them for the first time learning how to play an instrument and learning a new thing. We were talking about learning something new and not being, um, not having any success with it starting off, mm. but sticking with it mm-hmm. and growing into it. And for a lot of those students becoming highly successful on their instrument and almost forget the fact that when it started off, they sounded like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> less desirable. Yes. You know? <laughs> but to see their growth, I, I guess that's what I'm getting at. To see their growth mm-hmm. from um, the beginning stages to a, a more developed stage is, um, there's nothing like it. You know, and I guess that's what keeps me um, involved and engaged. But and developing the uh, the marching band, when I when I re, uh, came here, I, uh, besides teaching the kids uh, the music and everything and watching their growth, I like to see the kids, the expression on their face and the way they react when they perform in front of an audience, a live audience, and get the feedback from the audience. And when it's um, positive feedback, the joy on their faces mm-hmm. is, is, is nothing like it. Yeah. Like yeah. It. I mean, I can attest to it being in the room and being part of that live <laughs> audience. It, the energy was just contagious and it was so much fun and you, they're just feeding off of each other. And it was just a blast. So mm-hmm. I guess leading up to performing in front of live audiences, mm-hmm. I mean, a, the level at which you all perform is so impressive and such high quality. How much rehearsal, what does it look like to to get the band to a place where they're ready for those kind of performances at such a high level? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you. First, I'm going to start off with this analogy. So let's say um, a person that, uh, that want to um, stay fit, you know, want to keep their body um, fit, don't want to... Uh, well, looking to keep their body fit. So they have choices to make when they're doing exercises. That is to just say, okay, I'm going to try to do exercises here and there, but they're not getting that much of a progress or to decide that I'm going to make this uh, a lifestyle, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not just uh, a momentary thing. This is, I'm going to make it a lifestyle and get that concept in your head you might not make it every day into doing that, but by by saying I'm gonna live with this yes. type of experience. That way, you know, you're gonna have consistent consistency all the way throughout your life. So I made that analogy to say that's almost a process with the kids that um that are in the marching band, because the uh marching band or just the band in general is year round. Year round. So you're talking about um, how do we get to that level, the process of that level? Well, we first start with the summer band camp. Okay. Summer band camp is when we have um, new recruits coming in from uh, eighth grade 
Some of them know how to play instruments from their school. Some of them don't, but want to join a band. And we uh, we start developing, start developing them in the summertime, as early as the first of uh, June. And depending upon their levels, we um, draw attention to whatever level that they're on. And I have assistants that work with me. And we just, wherever they are, we'll develop them up to the point where they need to be. So let's say it starts in the summer. That development process in June. Come uh, July, we are at the point where everybody should be at a level where they can comfortably, comfortably read music and learn drills. So at that point, we start learning the music and start learning drills for the uh, football season. By the time uh, August come, the music would have been learned and the, the um, commands that's needed for the drills would have been learned. So now the kids depend upon the repertoire of songs. Let's say we start off with maybe at the beginning of the school year, we might start off with anywhere between 10 to 15 uh, songs that we have learned throughout the summer. Well, now they're at the process of memorizing the music. Our first game usually is not until towards the um, end of August or mid-August. So they start memorizing the music, learning the show, and come August, I mean, come that uh, first first game, they're playing at least maybe um, seven out of 10 of the tunes and, and performing the show. All right, so now they got that set already made. Every day we practice, when school starts, we practice every day, except for the weekend. We give them a, a break. And then when, um, once those songs are learned, we start handing out new songs. So it's, it's just a consistent uh, thing. Maybe we, we'll do a, a song a week. So we keep on adding to the repertoire. So during football season, as the games go, we normally have like, 10, uh, 10 games in the season. And then if you go into the playoffs, that's an extra um, four. So for each game, they're building up the repertoire. And that's key, building up the repertoire, because that's how we get to parade season. They're building up their repertoire, and they're, they're doing the halftime shows. And every game, the halftime show gets a little bit more put into it and developed into it. It becomes a complete, dynamic, awesome, visual uh, artistry on the yeah. field. So after the uh, football season is over with, then here in New Orleans, we have a parade season. Now, they don't have that in a lot of um, cities. Right. So sometimes they go directly into concert season and competitions. But here in New Orleans, we have a parade season. And our parade season just doesn't start in January or, or February. Our parade season, and that's the culture of New Orleans, starts in um, October. Really? Because we like to, yeah, because we like to celebrate everything that you can think of. So yeah. with the holidays, Halloween, we have a Halloween parade. So right after football season, football season normally ends in the first week of um, November. And if you're going into the playoffs, you know, all that usually stops mid 
mid-November. All right, so you have the Halloween parade that's in October. So that's the first parade you do. Then after football season is completely over, you just all in into parade season. So you stop learning field shows and you start developing your unit to march in a parade formation. And you start conditioning them. Conditioning is key, just like any athlete. People wonder how these kids can march these five to six miles. Well, they don't just wake up, start doing it. <laughs> they have to practice, get their body, eat right, develop their muscles. And that's happening by practicing every day. So after at the end of football season, we go right into switching up a little bit of the practice, how we, how we would normally do during uh, football season with learning shows and music. And to, we already have the music learned. So we just add on to the repertoire. But the other uh, half of the practice is getting in that parade formation and either marching in a military uh, counter-march formation in the yard or sometimes giving the kids a treat, which they love and the community really loves. That's when we take the band out into the street and march all kind of left and right turns inside the neighborhood, you know, going a, a block this way two blocks this way, turn left, turn right, and then come back around to the school. And the kids love to display their talents and show the, the uh, community what they've been working on and what new stuff to expect. It's almost like a preview. Like when you watch a yeah. preview for a movie and everybody say, oh, okay. So that's what we're going to expect uh, come parade season. You know, so it's a thrill. Then we uh we kind of stop short. Well, really, we don't stop short. We just do a little pivot from the parade season because after um that October uh, parade, we have a Thanksgiving parade. Okay. <laughs> All right. And that, that's tied into the Bayou Classic. And so after that, the week after that, we have the uh, Christmas parade. That's usually the first week in December. So... Between the um, the week right before Thanksgiving and that um, that last Christmas parade, we are working in a concert mode, preparing for the Christmas concert. Wow! So so you see how all these things really uh, evolve into each other, but it's still keeping the kids playing at all times. Yes. So. Christmas concert is usually the last week of school where everybody excited to get away for the break. We put on a Christmas concert and then we're off for two weeks. When we come back, it's back on the grind because for those two weeks, we have, I would say, a few of the kids. And I'm going to be honest, a few of the kids that take their instruments home and practice. Most of them don't. <laughs> All right. And, and they look forward to that uh, break. Some of them, they really um, can't because they travel mm -hmm. and they can't bring those uh, bring the instruments with them when they travel. So all that to say that when we come back off the uh, Christmas New Year break, some of them haven't touched the horn in two weeks. So we have to get them back in the grind again, you know, because you can, you know, lose your you can lose your endurance. Yes. In your lips and in what you can play, how long you can play it if you haven't been doing it for a week or two, all right? You might can sound good 
for the first maybe 30 minutes. But as you go into that hour and stuff, you <laughs> run out of gas. That's that's the term musicians use. So you start <laughs> yeah. running out of gas. All right. So then when we uh so we come back off that Christmas break, New Year break, we back into it again. The first parade off that break is the uh, MLK parade. Okay. And that's because uh celebration of uh Martin Luther King Day holiday. We uh Everybody in the city pretty much participates in that parade. Now, that's usually around, that's January to um, anywhere between the 15th to the uh, to the 17th. Now, right after that parade, then we only have about maybe three weeks, and sometimes two, because parade season was early this year. It started February, the first week in February. But uh, usually it's mid-February. Sometimes it goes into uh, March. Now, I never really figured that out with the calendar, how that happens that way. But, hey, it does. So we go right into that uh, practicing that parade season, hit parade season. Once we hit parade season, I would say like our last practice would be um, that Thursday before our first parade that Friday. Because once we hit parade season, there is no more practice. Mm -hmm. Because you are parading. Pretty much every day. Wow. Every weekend, every weekend for sure. And then for the parades that parade during the week, you are parading. And why why do you do so many parades? Well, it's only a two-week span. Okay? A parade season is only a two-week span. And then Mardi Gras. Because in New Orleans, that is parading in those parades is the best fundraiser that you can do for your band program because of the amount of money that you receive per parade. And I, and it surely beats going out shaking uh, cans or, or selling candy or, or raffle tickets. And the kids enjoy it because they get to show, showcase their talent. The school and administration enjoy it because it brings so much funds into the school and to the program into the music program so um after parade season is over with you would think that we have a break and we do we do have about a week uh a week break but then after that we get back in it and we start preparing for concert season concert season can go all the way to right before graduation like maybe a week or two before graduation the uh towards the end of April, because graduation is usually the second week in May. And then after the concert, then you have, uh, you prepare for the graduation, learning the graduation uh, music, ceremonial music. After graduation, uh, the kids usually get out of May, about May 20th or something like that. And then you have two week breaks, but then guess what happens in June? It starts again. It starts back <laughs> over again. So you are not kidding when you say that this is a year round process. I had no idea. That is fascinating. And there's, yeah. there's the way you described it, there's an art to it. And I've yeah. never thought about how like over the course of a football season, for example, mm -hmm. the band mm -hmm. is like kind of gradually and um, like almost right before your eyes, like the audience's eyes kind of gradually mm -hmm. building their program. And I mean, what, what an interesting way to look at it. I'm going to be so aware of that now, like going into <laughs> this this fall. That is so cool. 
And I mean, good thing y'all have those two week breaks in there every now and then, because it sounds like y'all could use them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So off the top of your head, do you have any idea, like a rough number, how many performances you all do in a year? Or do you just not keep? Yeah, I could take a guess. I could take a guess. (laughs) I would say, and and I'm going, this is not exaggerating. Oh, I believe you. I would say probably nothing less than 50 performances. And that's including the 10 10 or 11 or maybe 14, if you go into the uh, playoff season, games that you do during football season, the anywhere between uh, 10 to um, 13 parades that you would do during parade season, your Christmas concert, your fall concert, graduation. So that right there is putting you somewhere into the, um, to the 30s. Then on top of that, another great fundraiser that the uh, band is unique to is conventions like like we did uh with mm-hmm. you guys for the camp yes so we do on an average i would say maybe once a month a convention okay so um i mean not once a month uh twice a month twice a month okay like every other week every other week that's on average because sometimes you get in a good role where you probably receive maybe um four or five conventions in one month mm-hmm. and then you have a dry month you know, and so forth. So on average, it's been sure. consistent throughout the whole year, I would say um, about maybe anywhere between 15 to 20 uh, conventions. So that 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 puts you um, right there at uh, almost at 50. And it, sometimes a year will go uh, above. Like say this year that's coming up, the 24, 25 year, it's probably going to be more than that. Wow. Because we have the Super Bowl that's going to be here. Oh, you're right. You know. Whoa. And and depends on um, I think the parade season is going to be later this year. So we'll we'll probably have the Super Bowl. What what the Super Bowl is going to be first, because it's in January, towards the end of January. And then um either that following week, or uh, if not the week after that, we start uh parade season. But um, I, I'll tell you this, what was very interesting is we, um, and I probably mentioned that in the convention center, I mean, uh, at your convention saying that we perform for some of those uh, Super Bowl events. Yes. So uh, so that's what we're looking forward to this time. But there was one year, we had we had um, hosted Super Bowls, uh, several of them here in New Orleans, but there was one year, um, and I'm, I'm thinking it's somewhere probably between 2002 and 2003 that we hosted the uh, Super Bowl here. But there was an issue, and of course they worked it out. There was an issue because uh, the parade season was early that year. So the Super Bowl was like in the middle of the parade season. Oh, no. And so what they had to do was, all right, so you had the first, we, we had the first weekend of parades week and weekend of parades. And then they, instead of having a second weekend, they um, had the Super Bowl because that was the issue. The Super Bowl was the same as the second weekend. So they, they had the Super Bowl and they 
organized and it was greatly done. They organized with all the crews and everything to move all those parades back a week because they knew the importance of hosting that uh, Super Bowl and getting that nationwide, you know, exposure. So that was very unique, how they moved that whole parade season and Mardi Gras, because Mardi Gras is, is comes right before Ash Wednesday. Right. In, in, in New Orleans. That's the uh, culture. It comes right before Ash Wednesday. But, <laughs> so they had the first weekend, they had the Super Bowl, they had Ash Wednesday, and then they had the uh, the last week and weekend of uh, parades and Mardi Gras. Okay. All right. So that so, was it, that was interesting. A little chaotic. Yes. <laughs> you know, we just take it and move it. <laughs> Goodness, I'm glad I wasn't in charge of organizing all of that. <laughs> but look, I'm gonna tell you, it was a lot of money being made for the uh, band department, though. <laughs> I'm sure. Yes, that's amazing. So when you're selecting music and preparing performances and serving as a leader for these kids, where do you draw your inspiration from? And of course, like I'm sure being in New Orleans, there's inspiration and culture and color and just vibrancy everywhere you look. But is there anywhere in particular where you where you tend to get your inspiration the most? Yeah, there's a couple of uh, places, but uh, one would definitely be competition. Mm hmm. You know, because um, in the city, we have a lot of um, good band programs. And um, so the kids wanting to uh, outdo each other, you know, want to best up the, the, the rival school. That's usually your inspiration to, all right, we got to get on it this year. We can't um, fall short. You know, we can't have so-and-so either uh, win the competition or best us, you know, at a uh, performance so that's uh and that's a great uh uh motivation besides that with the kids the, the i would say the second motivation uh for for the students would be to get out to get out and um experience things that they would normally uh experience and enjoy the experience now now they they're familiar with the football games and they're familiar with uh certain parades but see when we do these conventions like the one we did with uh you guys Mm -hmm. And they um they find themselves in a room with over five hundred people, you know, a large body that that has their attention on them. You know that that they kind of look forward to um really want to put out their best mm -hmm. uh, when doing that. Now um for me the inspiration would be uh you know seeing them seeing the kids enjoy themselves. Seeing that the fact that when they, um, most of them, when they come to me, they, um, they're like beginners and, um, towards the end of their journey, because I'm still here at the school teaching, <laughs> but they only have four years at the end of their journey, you know, how they progress, uh, so, and, um, and also move on to get scholarships at various, um, schools for higher letter, uh, high level of learning at the universities and everything. Uh, that's, that's the inspiration um, for me. Mm -hmm. What are you most proud of in your work? I would say I'm most proud of seeing students that um, were beginners under me use the, um, the talent 
and the, uh, the knowledge that they learned from me and able to get uh, finance, financial, like through scholarships, financial aid, and that would help them go to um, college, you know, or university when they any otherwise wouldn't have the funds or finances to do so. Yeah. So that that's what I'm more uh, more proud of seeing that they did at the beginning they didn't know if they would be able to go to college because it's expensive, but then seeing them work hard and um, and having the skills now and the knowledge to be able to do that, you know, and get that money. That's what I'm proud of. Yeah. Oh, that's so powerful. And to be able to have, I mean, you have such a strong impact on the lives of these young people as it is. Um, but then to help get them to that next level, I mean, what what an honor that must be. So as a leader working with youth, what would you share with other youth serving professionals, whether they're educators, camp directors, counselors, coaches, et cetera? What, what would you want to share with them? I would share two things. One, patience. Mm-hmm. Patience is a, a virtue. If you are doing something and you have a goal set, but you don't see that uh, you're not justified with it, you don't see that uh, immediate um, impact on that on that student, then uh, be patient. Stay true to yourself and the goals that you are trying trying to achieve, and it would definitely come. Uh, the second thing is. Try your very best not to um, get swallowed up into um, the career of band. I um, that that kind of um, is not healthy. I don't think it's healthy. Have some time for yourself and the people that your loved ones. Uh, that's one thing I found out because if you don't get a break from uh, some of this stuff. And from what I just explained to you, it sounds like I don't get a break. Right. Yes. Yes. I, <laughs> sister, I, I definitely make sure I get my breaks in there. And when I break, I break completely from the whole uh, atmosphere. And, and you want to do that because when you come back, you want to be refreshed. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to be drained. You want to be refreshed. So, the great thing about being a teacher is you have all these holidays. So when these holidays come, even though, like I mentioned, sometimes you uh, have a performance doing it, but when you do have the break, break and break hard, vacation, vacation hard, get far away from your um, atmosphere of band as possible. Because it's going to be there when you come back. Right. But it, but when you do come back, you'll come back refreshed and not all tense and agitated, mm-hmm. you know, and mean. Now, mm-hmm. with me, with my professional band, like when you read my uh, biography, my professional band and going out performing professionally, that also helps me detach from, you know, the um, teaching the kids and that whole band um culture so that you know me enjoying like saying you know because that's what i want to do really Mm -hmm. that's what i want to do be a professional 
So me having that experience, dipping into that experience, enjoying it, enjoying the atmosphere, you know, not being always surrounded by kids, <laughs> you know, but enjoying uh, being out with adults and and seeing how they react to the music that I play, you know, so that uh, you want separation. So those would be the, the two main things, patience and achieving your goals. And when it's time for the breaks, break and break hard. Yes. Yes. Build in some of that rest because it is so yeah. crucial. Whew, yeah. Those are good. Okay. Well, we're almost out of time here, but I wanted to ask, first of all, if there's anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners. And on top of that, where can folks go to learn more, whether it's about the Sophie B. Wright marching band and where they can find um, some upcoming performances or with your own professional band, where can folks find you? How can they learn more? Because I know that the next time I'm in New Orleans, I want to come see y'all perform. Oh yeah. All right. Well, one of the, uh, for the, high school so if be right you can go to the um www.sophiebright.school.com and that that's our web page and you'll see all of our uh, activities of things and they have a uh, a link for band too and you can see what's going on with that perfect um besides that you can uh if you want to see videos of any type of thing whether it's during the uh, football season uh parade season or concert season you can go to youtube there's, there's usually a lot of uh youtube vid vids on uh youtube and okay. for my professional band we had a lot of places uh like the Montleon, the um, the Windsor Court um, hotels that we were um, doing a lot and where you can come see us uh, often. Now, it's almost like um, what my marching band with the conventions. Um, and because of my teaching schedule, I mainly do things on hire. So it's like when the um, I'm, I'm connected with the convention center and the hotel lines that are on uh, Canal Street. So whenever... There's a convention coming in the city and they uh, they will call my professional band because I offer different type of bands, reception bands, party bands, jazz bands. So it depends on what they want, their clientele, mm -hmm. their clientele. That's when um, they'll just hire me and say, OK, are you available? Your band available this date, this date and so forth. And that's mainly what, what I'm doing right now. No particular uh, hotel but pretty much uh, every one of them. So I do have a, a web, website, www.soulairsband.com. If you go to that and it's probably, and it's down, that's because my person is uh, fixing it. Every time it's down, they put new, they shut it down to put new stuff on it and then open it back up. So just be patient. It'll be uh, back up, but you can go on there and anything that's coming up, we would usually post on there. And if you're in the city at that time, you can check out, check us out. Or if we um, do a live video, then you can, uh, we'll usually have a link that you can tune in. Incredible. Perfect. Well, Mr. Barnes, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a joy getting to chat with you and learning all about your story and the story of your school's marching band. I mean, what an inspiration. So thank you so much for the incredible and impactful work that you're doing. It is so inspiring. 
Well, thank you so much for taking the time to want to hear about it. Yes, <laughs> of course. And I hope to hear you all in New Orleans again soon. Yes, I'm sure you will. If you're in New Orleans, you will. You <laughs> yes. Will. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the Camp Wire podcast. If you're not subscribed already, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the show notes for more information and be sure to keep up with all things happening at the American Camp Association across social media platforms at ACA Camps. Thanks again and we'll see you next time.